0: It is a wonderful opportunity for us as the body of Christ to behold our great God. Um, Such a wonderful introduction as we look at Exodus chapter 16. That word, the word that we we heard, behold in that song is key in this chapter this morning. As we behold, as we look, as we see what God has done and what he has done is good. Do you believe that this morning? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm looking forward to preaching to you this morning as we hear the Word. Turn with me to Exodus chapter 16. So thankful for Brother Michael Ottman. He was reading ahead. You know, that's not cheating. That, that's, that's actually legal. You can read ahead before the sermon, and so you're kind of caught up. It, it's okay. I, I encourage you to do so, um, so you're prepared and, and ready. But last week at the end of chapter 15, we saw that the, the people of Israel, the children of Israel, after their whining, after their complaining, were led to Elam. They were led to this Marriott, if you will, this oasis, this lush land with 12 springs of water, 70 palm trees, and there they are encamped by the water. God had brought uh, a miracle where he takes bitter water and makes it sweet so that the people of God might again see two things. We see this throughout the book of Exodus. His presence, as they're tempted, as I'm tempted to think, where is God? Is He here? His presence is there, number one. Number two, His provision. He provides for His people. A couple of things that we will see again this week in chapter 16. It's amazing to me as we see the people of Israel continue to complain, continue to whine that God the Father doesn't say, that's enough. You guys, you're on your own. But he shows mercy and he shows his patience to his people. So here in chapter 16, we are going to see um, the opposite of water. What do we need for life? We need Water, and we need food. And so we're going to see that the bread, bread comes to the people in chapter 16, and bread is a staple to life. So let us stand together as we look at chapter 16 together, as I read this powerful chapter. So this is the people of God setting out on their journey. They set out from Elam, and all the congregation of the people of Israel came to the wilderness of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the fifteenth day of the second month, after they had departed from the land of Egypt. And the whole congregation of the people of Israel grumbled against Moses and Aaron in the wilderness. The people of Israel said to them, Would that we had died by the hand of the Lord in the land of Egypt when we sat by the meat pots and ate bread to the full. For you have brought us out into the wilderness to kill this whole assembly with hunger. Then the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am about to rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a day's portion every day that I may test them, whether they will walk in my law or not They looked down, they looked toward the wilderness, and behold, the glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. And the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumbling of the people of Israel. Say to them, at twilight you shall eat meat, and in the morning you shall be filled with bread. Then you shall know that I am the Lord your God. In the evening quail came up and covered the camp, and in the morning dew lay around the camp, and when the dew had gone up, there was on the face of the wilderness a fine, flake-like thing, fine as frost on the ground. When the people of Israel saw it, they said to one another, What is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, It is the bread that the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord commanded gather of it each of one of you as much as he can you shall take an omer according to the number of the persons that each of you has in his tent and the people of israel did so they gathered some more some less but when they measured it with an omer whoever gathered much had nothing left over and whoever gathered little had no lack each of them gathered as much as he could eat moses said to them let not let no one leave any of it over till the morning but they did not listen to Moses. Some left part of it till the morning, and it bred worms and stank. Moses was angry with it. Moses was angry with them, and morning by morning they gathered it, each of, each as much as he could eat. But when the sun grew hot, it melted. On the sixth day they gathered twice as much bread, two omers each. And when all the leaders of the congregation came to, to, came and told Moses, he said to them, This is what the Lord has commanded. Tomorrow is a day of solemn rest, a holy Sabbath to the Lord. Bake what you will bake, and boil what you will boil, and all that is left over lay aside to be kept till the morning. So they laid it aside till the morning, as Moses commanded them, and said, It did not stink, and there were no worms in it. Moses said, Eat it today, for today is a Sabbath to the Lord. Today you will not find it in the field. Six days you shall gather it, but on the seventh day, which is a Sabbath, there will be none. On the seventh day some of the people went out to gather, but they found none. The Lord said to Moses, How long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? See, the Lord has given you the Sabbath. Therefore, on the sixth day, he gives you bread for two days. Remain each of you in his place. Let no one go out of his place on the seventh day. So the people rested on the seventh day. Now the house of Israel called its name Manna. It was like coriander seed, white, and its taste of it was like wafers made with honey. Moses said, This is what the Lord has commanded. Let an omer of it be kept throughout your generations so that they may see the bread with which I fed you in the wilderness when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord to be kept throughout your generations. As the Lord commanded Moses, so Aaron placed it before the testimony to be kept. The people of Israel ate the manna forty years till they came to a habitable habitable land, and they ate the manna till they came to the border of the land of Canaan. An omer is the tenth part of an ephah. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Let us pray together. Gracious Father, Lord, I pray that you will prepare our hearts and minds to hear your word. I pray that we will be humble, seeking to honor and to obey you. Lord, you are the God, the only God who is near, who has provided, not just for our daily needs, but has provided a way to know you through your Son, Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray that you will teach us today that you are the God who provides all things, all that we need. Lord, I pray that we will trust you in the meantime. Lord, we thank you and praise you for all that you have done. Lord, lead us by your Spirit. It's in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, here we are. The people of Israel have gone from this lush oasis now to being in the wilderness of sin. And this description is not because of their disobedience. This is the land that they are in. And uh, they have run low on food. And I know what it's like in our household when it's the day before grocery day. I can become a little impatient, you know, a little frustrated, a little irritated. And uh, that is what is going on here. They are impatient. And they are just whining and complaining. And said, I said, wish we had died. I mean, I wish we had died back there where things were better. They weren't. But talk about drama. They wanted to whine and complain because of their belly pains, because of the hunger pains. But we're starving. It's 12.05. Well, no, it doesn't say that. But they were impatient, and they wanted to go back to the good old days that weren't good. Instead of seeing what God was doing in the present, they glamorized the past. We too can do that. But we must focus on what God is doing now, in the present. His steadfast love is sure. So, we see in the opening verses, the first three verses, the people of Israel are hungry. They're controlled by their appetite. They had set their sights on the wrong thing. It must not be said of us that our God is our stomach. It must not be said of us that we have set our minds on earthly things instead of on heavenly realities. I wanted to use this quote again. I used it last week by Matthew Henry. He says, The greatest joys and hopes are soon turned into the greatest griefs and fears with those that live by sense only and not by faith. Here the people of Israel are, What have you done for me lately? You know, What do I have before me? Well, I know you've rescued me from Egypt, but what about today? What about now? Well, how can we apply this to us? As Michael alluded to, we too can become bored and disillusioned and frustrated, maybe even bitter as to what has God done for me. We begin to focus on something or someone other than God. Our eyes and our desires can easily focus on our physical situation. Well, what do we have? Or what do we don't have? We can begin to become bitter or complain. When we look at the people of Israel, we can see the sins of our own hearts as well. We find the idols of our own hearts when we examine our desires and motives. Here's a couple of examples. The man who is always late and unavailable when a job is to be done is motivated by his own comfort. The woman who shops, even when the credit card balance is climbing, is motivated by her own comfort. Well, here, likewise, the people of Israel, they're motivated by their own comfort. Well, is my belly fed? You know, Do I have enough to drink? Not realizing God had given them all that they needed. So one of the main points I want us to see from this chapter is we must depend upon God for daily living. We must depend upon God for daily living. Verses 4 through 8, the Lord shows the people of Israel, they can depend upon Him. In chapter 16, in verse 4, the Lord says to Moses, Behold, I'm about to rain bread from heaven for you. I found Moses, I'm thinking, what? You know, you're about to do What? you know what is this miracle thing he's about to do and he says behold again when you hear that word behold it's like god is saying look pay attention wake up from your slumber see what i'm about to do one of the earliest uh references and mentions of the word behold is in chapter 1 of genesis genesis 1:31 says god saw everything that he had made and behold it was very good there was evening and there was morning the sixth day so again god is saying look Look at what I have done. And he's telling Moses, look what I'm about to do. I'm going to provide for you. Don't worry. So God tells Moses he's going to send bread out to fill the, the children of Israel. And he, tests, he tells them he's going to test the children of Israel to test their loyalty to him. He says on the sixth day, bread will be sent from heaven. It will be twice as much so they can gather for two days to remind the people that he will supply their every need. God is telling Moses and Aaron and the people that he's doing this sign so that the people might see this is God. This is not the gods of Pharaoh, but this is God who is doing this. God is providing for their every need. And Moses tells the people, God has heard your grumbling against him. As you grumble, as you complain, as you whine... It's not just to one another. Your grumbling is against God. He has heard your grumbling. We must pay attention to these words, that when you grumble, you grumble against God. We don't often use the word grumble in our everyday vocabulary. Maybe we, put it, maybe we might put it this way. When we gripe, when we complain in our circumstances, we are ultimately telling God, I don't like the hand that I've been dealt. So we have to quit our belly aching. That's maybe one way of putting it. Stop whining about what I am doing. Now don't get me wrong. Life can be difficult. Our circumstances can be hard, no doubt. Your troubles may seem to be unending. Money may be lacking. Conflict may be a constant. You may not have a job tomorrow. But that doesn't mean that God is not present. As believers in Christ, we may cast our cares upon God because He's the one who led us to the wilderness. Moses is telling the people, God is the one who has led you here. He is the one who has brought you here. If He's the one who has brought you here, will He not provide for you while you are there? He will provide. So as believers in Christ, we must cast our cares upon God because He hears us. I mean, it's encouraging, encouraging to me that he heard the people of Israel who were grumbling. It doesn't say he heard the people of God who were singing praises to him. Thank you, God, for bringing us here. He heard them when they were grumbling. So if he hears them when they're grumbling, he hears us today. As I was preparing for this sermon, I think I've mentioned this song before, but one of my uh, favorite songs by Sovereign Grace is this song, Whatever My God Ordains Is Right. The third verse of that song says, Whatever my God ordains is right, here shall my stand be taken. Through sorrow, need, or death be mine, yet I am not forsaken. My Father's care is round me there. He holds me that I shall not fall. And so to Him, I leave it all. God has ordained this trial. He has brought us there. He has prepared for us to be there. And He is a good God. He does not leave his children. He does not forsake his children. So the children of Israel were learning this lesson. In verses 9-12, Moses tells Aaron, the people's prophet, what to tell Israel. And God wants his people to draw near to him. As we said uh, in one of our last deacons meetings, we were talking about our concerns and our prayers. And as we were about to pray, we, we, we reminded one another... We must be truthful as we pray. I mean, what use is it to lie to God? How silly is that? And so we must be truthful as we pray. And So God wants us to come near to Him even in our grumbling. James 4 says, Draw near to God, He will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So this is coming in the passage in James of those who are seeking worldliness those who are seeking fleshly gain. He says, come to me, draw near to me. So God knows the status of our hearts. He knows the thoughts of our minds, and yet he still says, come, draw near. I want to hear. So God hears our grumbling, but he still wants us to approach God. Well, Aaron declares to the congregation, what Moses heard from God, they listen, then they look towards the wilderness, They don't have to wait long. For the text says, The glory of the Lord appeared in the cloud. Now this isn't the cloud that's holding our files and and photos. This is a different type of cloud here. We don't know what the glory of Yahweh in the cloud looked like, but the people did recognize this is the presence of God. This is God. God has come near His people. And after God appears to His people, Moses restates God's word to Mo- Moses restates God's word again to the people and he tells them what he has commanded. God stresses again. He's not speaking again, but Moses is stressing again that God has heard your grumbling. God is not distant. He is near. So when you mess up and circumstances aren't right, your heart isn't right, draw near to God. He is near, and he wants to hear from his children. Are you with me this morning? More importantly, are you here with God, listening to him? Call out to him. Seek him. Moses tells the people that they'll eat meat in the evening, and in the morning they'll be filled with bread. This is a good situation, a good scenario. It's right there provided for you. So here... If you are God's child, He will satisfy you. He will provide all that you need. I think of the Apostle Paul who says, My God will supply all of your needs according to His glorious riches in Christ Jesus. So if you're united to Christ this morning, this is good news. He provides for His children. So the people of Israel would experience the riches of God in verses 13 through 21. Quail covers the camp in the morning. Bread covers the camp in, or the quail in the evening and bread in the morning. This is an ideal scenario for hunters. It's right there. So God is providing all that they need. But all that this is given, the quail and the bread, is not so that they would become gluttons. It was given so that they would see something. The Lord God is with you. He is right there. But what happens? The Lord commands his children to gather an Omer. This is like two dry quarts of bread. The people gather some. Some gather a little. Some gather a lot. Each gathered as much as he could eat. So I was studying this. I was, I was kind of envisioning, I don't know why, but like kids in the spring going running out and getting Easter eggs. Just, you know, going as, getting as much as they can. You know, gathering as much as they can in their in their baskets. But then Moses says in verse 19... Let no one leave any of it till the morning. Now, as Sheena can attest, I wouldn't have had a problem with this because I'm not a big fan of leftovers anyway. But, you know, he says that's not the point. The point is that he's telling them, trust in me. I'm going to provide for today and I'm going to provide for tomorrow. Trust in me. So don't waste what you've been given and don't be greedy gathering for a rainy day. We must Depend upon God. This is why we pray, give us today our daily bread. Give us today our daily bread, because Father, I know you are the, the Father who gives good gifts to your children, and that you will not withhold anything your children need. So as we pray, give us today our daily bread, we're expressing our dependence upon God. I know some of you are going to actively express that even tomorrow as you might go in and sign papers saying, I agree that I'm not getting paid this week. That is an active way of saying, Lord, I need you. Give me today my daily bread. But even after Moses speaks these words, even after Aaron is telling them what God has said, they don't listen. You surprised yet? They blame Moses, they grumble against Moses, and now they disobey him. They do not listen to what Moses says. And what happens? It says the bread that was left till morning uh, multiplies with worms. Just like the bottom of your garbage can, if they don't get everything up, it's just like, oh goodness, and it stinks, it reeks. And Moses is angry with the people. He's upset because why? They don't listen to the Lord. They don't listen to the Lord. Sometimes I want to, you know, say something to someone like, do you realize you're rebelling against the Holy God? Do you realize that you're not listening? And I want to just give them a, a push. It would be a pastoral push in love, of course. But you know, do you realize that this is God's word that you are ignoring? And so this is why Moses is so upset. He's saying, I'm God's prophet. I'm telling you, this isn't my word. I didn't make up this word. I am God's prophet. You were excited when we went through uh, the Red Sea and all was fine. But now one moment of doubt and it's, kill me. And so this is why Moses is so upset. In verses 22-26, through Moses continues to be with the people and he reminds them of God's commands that they are to gather for six days and then rest. God would supply enough before the Sabbath so that they might rest on the Sabbath, so that they might recognize that God has provided for us even on this day when we did not go out. Then in verse 24, the people finally pay attention to the words of Moses. I wish I could see Moses' face. About time. The bread that is left over for the Sabbath did not stink and it did not have worms like before. Why? Because worms don't work on the Sabbath? No, that's not the the lesson here. Because God has supplied the bread. This is God's bread. He has supplied it. So Moses makes it clear, the Lord God has provided the bread Don't go out to the fields. Don't test the Lord. But what do they do? Well, maybe I'll just store up a little bit more for a rainy day. They go out and they test the Lord. Verses 27 through 30. I'm going quickly here. It says on verse 27, it says, On the seventh day some of the people went out to gather, but what did they find? Nothing. It's not there. Again, this is like the father who's telling his child, you don't need to do this because it's bad for you. And the child says, well, how bad? You know, is it like really bad? Like, if I put my finger in the light socket, is that real bad? Or can I just, well, there's kids in here. And so, again, they're testing God's voice. The Lord questions Moses. Moses is thinking, I'm I'm doing all that I can, but again, he's God's prophet. The Lord questions Moses, how long will you refuse to keep my commandments and my laws? Again, it's not a light thing to disobey the Lord God. How long is this going to last? So God tells Moses and the people He has planned the Sabbath to help them rest in Him. And there's times whenever I'm exhausted many times that I need to take a nap or whenever I'm sick and and I remind myself, the Lord knows I need to rest this day. The Lord knows that I've been doing too much. So the Lord knows what we need. The Sabbath was given so that they would learn to rest, both physically and spiritually, from their labors. So after initial resistance, the people finally listen and rest. We too have much to learn here. The point of the Sabbath was to rest and to enjoy God's provision. Do you have bread for today? Yeah, because I provided twice as much yesterday. So it's not about what our hands have done; it's about resting in Him. I think of the uh, was it Allstate commercial? You know, no, you know, we're not resting in our insurance company. Insurance is not bad, but we're resting in God's hands. We're resting in God's hands. The last few verses, verses 31 through 36, we get a description of the bread and a reminder of what God has said. Some commentators think most likely this section was added later because it's describing what has already taken place. But the bread was called manna. And the way it's described in verse 31, I don't know about you, that sounds pretty tasty, sounds delicious. But you know what the word manna means in the Hebrew? It means what? Like, what is this? I mean, you imagine being the first person out there like, this isn't do. This is something different. So they, they had no idea what this is. This is bread from heaven. It's not an everyday occurrence. So God, again, shows the people, this is something that I have provided for you. Shows His provision. He rescued them out of Egypt. And now he responds to their needs in the wilderness. And we see here in verse 33, Moses said to Aaron, take a jar and put an omer of manna in it and place it before the Lord. Why? Why do they do this? As a way to worship God, but also as a way to recognize God's faithfulness throughout generations. We tell our children and our grandchildren, God is good. His promises are sure. His promises are yes, and they are true. And so here again, we see God saying, I will live up to what I have promised to give you. And then we, we find the story continue at the end of the chapter. In verse 35, it says, The people of Israel ate manna forty years. Forty years. I know a friend of mine in grade school, every day he had the same lunch. And uh, the first day, it, it looked pretty appetizing. Peanut butter and jelly, Doritos and Oreos. wasn't the most healthiest lunch. But every day, same thing, over and over and over again. Well, the children of Israel, better like manna. Forty years God provided this food for them till they came to a habitable land They ate this food until they came to the next place, the border of the land of Canaan. So as we summarize chapter 16, what can we take away from this chapter? Three things. First, remain humble. Don't grumble because God's in control. God's the one who led them there. God's the one who led you where you're at right now, today, this hour, this day, Sunday, January 21st, 2018. God is in control of this day. Number two, God will provide for us so we can depend upon Him. I thought it was so ironic, not really, but that I came to this text right in the midst of a government shutdown. Again, I'm so thankful for Michael's prayer. Uh, The government is not our Savior. We're not to just look at who's to blame, God is in control. Number three, if God is dependable, is God dependable? Yes. Amen. Then we can rest in Him. The Sabbath, the Sabbath was to teach them, I've provided for you for this day and this day and this day and this day. Was there a day that I did not provide for you? So if I'm dependable, you can rest in me. You have to learn that day after day. Let us pray.